For Rewire Radio, I'm Jen Stanley, and this is Choiceless. Patrice Colors is joining me today as a guest producer. This episode is part of a two-part series on birth justice with Patrice. If you haven't listened to last week's episode yet, please go back and give that a listen. Patrice is a co-founder of Black Lives Matter, and she's a senior fellow at Moms Rising, where her work addresses the high rates of maternal mortality and morbidity in the United States, particularly among black mothers. Last week, Patrice introduced us to Rashad Tahani Lawler and Debbie Allen, two black midwives living and working in Los Angeles. They were actually Patrice's midwives. That's right. And today's guest is also Rashad's client, Alex Alvarez, Latinx trans man from the San Fernando Valley. He is partnered to one of my closest sister friends, Carla Gonzalez. Alex recently gave birth to his beautiful child, Agua Angel, and he was pregnant at the time of this interview. We will discuss his choice to get pregnant, especially under this current administration, and his journey of pregnancy while having a midwife. My name is Alex Alvarez, and I am from Los Angeles. My family is originally from El Salvador, but my grandmother raised me, so... My parents have been in and out of my life. Alex's father is from Guatemala and his mother is from El Salvador. They're not together anymore, but they've both been deported and they both live in Mexico currently. So it was really hard. I got made fun of a lot in middle school when my mom got deported. I got, it was at middle school and then in um, at church. When my, I would, my family was really Christian, so I grew up going to church. And they would make fun of me. They were like, oh, your mom's deported. <laughs> She's illegal. Like, it was really messed up. So I think that piece was really hard. And then just not having... My mom wasn't around consistently, and neither was my dad. But something shifts when they're no longer in the same country. Like, when, when they are just so far away and you can't see them, it it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to deal with them not coming back home. Um, my mom, both my parents were in and out of jail. So when they would go in, it was sad, but then they'd come out and then they'd continue their life. And this time it was like, you just actually will never come back home. You never will get to see me graduate. You'll never get to see me do certain things that I would like. Um, and I know that happens to a lot of loved ones inside also. So there's a lot of connection. But Is, Have there been any other people in your family that oh, have yes. supported? So my family... Yes, yeah, so my I think my grandma my grandma's sister's husband has been deported. One of my cousins, um, like my uh, extended family, got deported, and then I've had several family members who have actually been deported. And the sad part about El Salvador is they're going through a really hard time. So often when you have people who are deported, MS will try their hardest to either recruit or. And if you don't, then they'll kill you. So I've had maybe two or three family members die from not joining MS as they get deported. I've been out as trans since I was 19. Coming out was really difficult. I, I initially came <laughs> I initially came out as trans. Maybe when I was about 16, 17, and my partner at the time told me that it wasn't real. Like, it wasn't a real thing. That it, I had fantasies around what it meant to be different. So I shut it down. And I think at some point when I left that partner and I started just being able to be on my own, I realized that I was 100% trans. And it, but that process was difficult. There was a lot of research. There was a lot of unknowns that, was, that came with that. 
my family's always been a little complicated. I'm trans, so when I came out to them, it was difficult for them to kind of understand what that meant. And I, I respect it, and I understand that. Um, they're very cultural Latinos, and they are like very serious. They don't, they're not Catholic, but there's some serious Catholic guilt that happens with them. Alex is a trans man, and he's in a polyamorous relationship. Their child will have three equal co-parents. Some of his family has had a difficult time understanding and accepting these parts of Alex's identity. So my partner is Carla Gonzalez, and her partner is Cole James. So Carla and Cole have been together for seven years, going on eight, and then Carla and I have been together for three, going on four. I do struggle with my family seeing me as a trans man who's pregnant. So on Mother's Day, I definitely got Happy Mother's Day, and I was like, well, thanks, but I'm not a mom, so I redirected it to where it belongs, and I passed it along to my girlfriend. But yeah, so they're definitely in the struggle of what it means to be pregnant and trans. Are they supportive of your relationship? No, they're not. It, it's complicated. And because I'm, I think if I wasn't poly, I think it would be much easier for them to be supportive. But because I'm poly, it complicates how they see my relationship. And my partner is much older than I am, so they also are just concerned. I also think there's a huge part of homophobia that they're just like, you're with a woman and you're essentially a woman, so I don't like it. So they're not necessarily the most supportive. Actually, yeah, they're not. (laughs) So when he and his partners decided to get pregnant, they knew they wanted to create a different kind of family than the ones they had been raised in. Yeah, so this was a huge decision, and it definitely wasn't from one day to the next. It was many, many conversations. I think it definitely started off by um, my partner trying to get pregnant for two years and not having any success stories. And I was like, well, I'm down to get pregnant, so this is great. And it kind of just, I had a conversation with them. I said, listen, this sounds like a really great idea. I'm still on hormones, so I actually have to be off of hormones for six months. Both of them said it was a great idea. This was, of course, after two years of trying. And I'm on the younger side of the relationship. So it would, we were hoping that it would be easier. Um, and thankfully, it was a lot easier for me to get pregnant. But um, I think from the time that we decided to talk about getting pregnant to the time it actually happened only took maybe 11 months. So six months of being off of hormones and then whatever the rest, I think three months of trying. Um, we tried a total of three times for me to get pregnant, and on the third try, I got pregnant. The fun part about this story is that I, my partner and her partner went on their anniversary trip to Hawaii. So I was actually home by myself. And we have a donor, so I was like, all right, I'm going to just, I'm ovulating. I texted them. I said, hey, I'm going to just do this. They're like, okay. And I was all by myself in my room, like turkey basters. So, yes, the poor man's way, definitely. <laughs> when we found out we were pregnant, it um, it wasn't, like, super romantic and repeat on a stick, and I cried, and we all went, ran into the room. It was I was really, really sick. Um, I had just started a new job and taking care of two kids, and the kid was really sick, and I got really sick. So it was, like, this month of... I, was, I started to throw up. I didn't really know why I was so nauseous, and then I got really, really sick for two weeks. I had a really bad cold. I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't sleep. I, I had a really bad cough. So we went to urgent care. And I told urgent care, I have Kaiser. So I went to urgent care at Kaiser. 
and I was like, all right, so I'm really sick. They're like, okay, all right, you're really sick. And I was like, all right, these are my symptoms, I told them. When they took me into the back, I told the nurse, I said, so I'm really sick. I'm actually just here for antibiotics because I know that's all I need because I've been trying to do it the other way and it's not working. And I was like, but I think I might be pregnant. And she was like, what? You're joking. I said, no, I'm not joking. That's a terrible joke. So the nurse thinks I'm joking, and I think she thinks I'm joking because I look like a boy. The doctor came in. I explained to him my symptoms. I said, last time, they said it was whooping, cough. It wasn't, but I just want to make sure that's not where I'm at. But I think I'm pregnant. He said, he kind of, like, looked at me like, uh, uh, okay, really? I said, yeah, yeah, I actually really think I'm pregnant. So he said, okay, we'll test you. Go pee in a cup and go wait outside, and then if you're pregnant, then we can't give you medicine, and I'll give you a doctor's note, because you should actually stay out of work for a week, and if you're not pregnant, then I'll prescribe you medicine, and those are the things that I'll bring to you outside in the waiting room. I said, okay, so we went outside, and I was like, I don't know, you know, this is weird, so then he he came out and was like, well, here's your doctor's note, and then me and my girlfriend were like, oh, we're expecting the prescription, because we just weren't as hopeful, and he was like, so you're pregnant, so I can't prescribe anything, and we kind of just it was in that moment where everything kind of just shuts down and there's no, like everything gets really still. And I looked at my partner and I, we kind of just looked at each other and we're like, this isn't, this isn't happening. This is a dream. Like it just wasn't happening. He was like, all right, go upstairs and go to the women's clinic to start your process. That was, I think four weeks is what they had had me at. So we were like walked away and it didn't register and we just stood there and we like hugged each other and it was like the proof of no, the like notice that we were pregnant we had to go upstairs and it was just shocking but it wasn't I don't know it I it still makes me just crack up because it doesn't it still didn't feel real it still doesn't feel real that how it happened so I had no idea what prenatal care meant. I had actually never been to an OB before. And I and obviously you don't need an OB, but I've never been to a, a GYN before, a gynecologist. So I've never gotten any kind of care in that way. Rochelle was Patrice's midwife. And so that's when I met her. And I thought she was really awesome. And I knew, and we both, the three of us, my two other partners, my two other co-parents, talked about making sure that we had a midwife if I, especially if, if either one of us got pregnant because prenatal care in the hospital is never it's not it's not inviting it's not nice it's not it's yeah they're really pushy on like western medicine and it's really difficult and they shame you when you don't do it so we knew that we didn't want to do that so we had been talking to them and they were supposed to inseminate us and do the process but it was it's just it, it is also expensive um, and so we decided this from when Patrice was pregnant. When I got pregnant, we texted Rashad and I was like, hey, I'm pregnant. She was like, awesome, let's do this. And then we had meetings with um, appointments with her and, and it kind of just continued from there. Rashad's awesome. And Rashad has had other trans patients or other trans clients. So she's really like, yeah, dude, fuck it. Just, just don't. Just, just calm down. Like, don't lift up heavy things. Like, stop trying to do construction work while you're eight months pregnant or seven months pregnant. So, but yeah, she's awesome. She's really sweet. She's like inviting and it's warm, and it feels you can feel the difference between her and my doctor. Like, I, it's just inviting. I feel like the dysphoria comes from just being pregnant 
not from like being trans because I've I just have a huge belly and I, I can't wear a shirt that fits right. So that's the part that I think I get this for. But in my I do miss being on hormone I do miss being on testosterone. That is a very real thing. Like and I and that's just period. Like whenever I was off of tea, regardless if I was pregnant or not, I missed it. Um, but now that I'm pregnant, it's just hard to go from like a medium and large to like an extra large and an extra extra large. That's the problem. That's the hard part. Are you? How do you feel about going into labor? Are you scared? Are I'm you psyched. I'm psyched to labor. I like people are like, oh, it's gonna hurt. I'm like, yeah, I know. I wanted to. Like that's that's the point. Like it's not fun if it doesn't hurt. But yeah, I'm psyched. I I keep envisioning myself and like I'm like, what am I gonna wear? You know, because. If I, if I feel, I feel like if I identified as a woman, I would wear a really comfortable muumu or dress. That's for my own stuff. I feel like that feels good to me. But I don't. So now I have to figure out, like, how to adjust. I know I don't like wearing shirts. And I know I love being in my underwear. So I feel like I'm just going to wait it out in my underwear until I push it out. But, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to, like, I'm excited, I'm excited to meet my baby. And I think that's the biggest piece for me. Like, it's so hard for me to think solely on the birth where I'm like as soon as I push them all the way out I'm gonna meet my tiny human they're mine what I see as you know you and Carla and Cole in particular trying to build a new family and how do you build a family in a place that doesn't want your family to exist in the first place and what kind of courage that takes and what kind of innovation and imagination that takes and so I'm wondering just from um just from you like um why why this type of family you know why a poly family um why you being pregnant I mean we know sort of logistically um you being pregnant was easier for Carla but I think there's a there's a vision there's a visionary pro process here too um one that doesn't fit in the medical industrial complex one that doesn't fit and sort of the the america that you know 45 is trying to create so just would love to hear about how you all talk about your family yeah that's a great it's a great question <laughs> um our family and we have this conversation all the time. And the biggest time that we have a conversation around what our family means to us is when we're fighting. Because um, we're, we're still a relationship. So there definitely are ups and downs. And we have to continue to tell each other that when we're breaking cycles and if we're fighting, that our ultimate goal is to make sure that we all know... We all know what... No. Hold on. Yeah, we all know exactly what it is that we want to do. Each of us wants to change the narrative of what our, how our family raised us and how our family dealt with us um, and what it looks like to the world to have our family. A big, the, one of the biggest things on um, me being pregnant was it's kind of a fuck the system. I know, I, I know it was easier for me to get pregnant, so there, there's that piece, but there is that... I'm trans. It's different. I'm Cole is definitely on the gender queer spectrum, and she's super excited about that and wants to be called a Baye slash Adolfo. And the way that we want to make sure that our family is raised, and the way that we established our family, 
is through a vision of how we want to make sure that our child is raised in this world, but also how we want to relate to each other in a much more positive way than our families have related to us. I definitely want to let my child be as queer as possible. <laughs> like, even if they're not, like, in the reality, is if they might not be queer. But I want them to have the ability to, and I want them to have, I actually want them to have two other parents. Like, I didn't have any parents in my life consistently other than my grandma, but she's still my grandma, you know? So I would like, so not only are they having an extra parent, but they're also having, like, an extra parent. So they're just getting... The, they're getting more fun out of this um, But yeah, I think having the ability To just be themselves without judgment Without condition Our families love us But they do love us with conditions And that has been very true So to give our child the ability to be loved Without condition Is something that I'm really looking forward to And really wanting to Make sure that the three of us Are on the same page about what that means On September 28th, Alex and his partners had their baby, Agua Angel. Alex had a very traumatic labor and birth, and Agua is suffering from a rare heart disease. We have been supporting the family and making sure they get whatever they need. Agua had a successful heart surgery on October 4th and will be in recovery for at least a month. Although Alex had to go to the hospital for birth and labor, Risha has been by Alex and his family's side the entire time. This episode is produced by myself, Jen Stanley, and Patrice Cullors for Rewire Radio. Mark Folletti is our executive producer and director of multimedia. Jody Jacobson is our editor-in-chief. Brady Swenson is our director of technology. Music for this episode is by Doug Helsel. Thank you to all the staff at Rewire, especially Rachel Perrone, Lauren Gutierrez, and Stacey Burns, our communications and social media team, for getting the word out about Choiceless. For more on these stories and for comprehensive news, commentary, and analysis on sexual and reproductive health and justice, visit our website at rewire.news. Thanks for listening.